Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Good evening. My name is Michael Clark. My program is the Specialized Trust Strategy. And tonight, I'm going to do a page-by-page review of the strategy and explain the purpose of each page, the purpose of many of the paragraphs in the trust indenture, and the purpose of the minute orders. This will be recorded so that you can listen to it again and again, or if you have some of your friends that want to uh, have some, some uh, are interested in possibly starting the trust, uh, starting their own STS program to protect their assets, they can come to this and listen right after they start the program so they have an idea of what it's all about. So with that, I'm going to get started right now. The first 11 pages of this document, but before I do that, let me state that when you receive your program, you will get what's known as the Green Book. The Green Book is green cover page that says don't ask any questions until you've read this book. It's a spiral binder. And the first part of the spiral binder is activating and funding a specialized trust strategy. The second part, there's a little tab, and then the second part in that same spiral binder is what we call the teaching trust. Now, the one I'm just going to give you um, the evaluation of each page. Uh, and some of the paragraphs within the pages. There may be a few differences in words in some things because we do, the trust does continue to evolve, but the trust is good no matter what the words are, okay? You have transferred your assets contractually and irrevocably to to this trust in return for trust certificates. So with that being said, I'm going to get started on the first page. The first page is the table of contents. And when you get your teaching trust with your documents, it has red literature at the top of each, or excuse me, red uh, printing at the, on each page. And that gives you a, a basic concept of what the purpose of that page is. Table of contents, it says at the top, the first 11 pages of this document contain the contract and trust indenture. The contract is a private arm's length contractual agreement between the creator, our creator, and a competent contractor of legal age. The trust indenture contains the rules and regulations of the trust and the components. Webster's Dictionary of Law defines arm's length as a noun referring to dealings between unrelated parties, each motivated solely by its own self-interest. So that's arm's length, where I have my interest in this and, and my the other party to a contract has its interest in the contract. The table of contents basically gives you the page numbers for the different entities. We also have assignment of income invalidating previous wills and trusts and removal of trustees as uh, trust services as trustee. When you get your trust one document, there will be a, a CD 
right, right in front of the Trust One document in the binder. Put the CD in your computer, and it's set for a PC. It's not set for Mac or anything, but you can go online and get free, um, I don't know what you call them, but you get free things that will allow a Mac computer to read a PC computer. So put the CD in. Those are blank documents. They've got the UCC lien agreement, both, both for the county and for the federal in the U.S., and, uh, and well, for both. Canada, you don't need to worry about the county one, but they're they're in both. You've also got the UCC3 um, form, okay? So with that, let's start with page one. This page, it's actually page two. It says, this contract and declaration of trust is executed in the sovereign state of Indiana. It was executed in Indiana, my friends. It's domiciled out of Indiana. That's where it was created. It is not an Indiana trust. It's a federal trust document. Understand that right off the bat. As it relates to the United States of America and shall be construed under common law. So that's where it's domiciled. That's where it's created in the United States in the state of Indiana. This is the preamble which amounts to the, the contract of the contract agreement. The preamble, uh, read that. It's very simple to understand. The preamble is the private contractual agreement between the creator and the contractor. The creator offers to exchange 100 trust certificates in return for certain real and personal property owned by the contractor. There's the two parties, the creator and the contractor. The creator makes an offer to exchange 100 trust certificates in return for consideration on the part of the contractor, which is you, the individual who is starting the program, is the contractor and uh, the, the uh, consideration are the contractor's assets. And they are full in consideration. Both agree, both parties agree that it's full in consider, uh, full consideration. Internal Revenue Service, federal gift and estate tax publication 488, if a bona fide transfer, sale or exchange, is made at arm's length in the ordinary course of business, the transaction will be assumed to be for consideration and not gratuitous. Note, acceptance of the offer by the contractor is knowledge by the sub, sub, submittal of the application and payment. So in other words, when the, when the contractor submits their application, they are agreeing to, to the offer of the creator to exchange assets or, or trust certificates. The contract, if you go down through it, it um, it simply tells you what the contract is, and then when you start at Section 1, um, the character of the organization, it explains the different parts and components of the trust indenture. Section 1 starts the trust indenture. Um, a, this contract trust is not a statutory entity, and that's explained in A but a separate legal entity. No one connected with this contract trust shall have or possess any ownership, tangible or intangible equity, in the assets owned by this contract trust. No one connected with this contract trust shall be personally liable for anything other than their own personal breach of trust. So in other words, there is case law that, that states that the contract, or that the trust rather, owns the assets, and that's in difference to statutory trust, both in the U.S., 
Canada and any of the other countries I've looked at, it's always the same. The trustee is considered statutorily the owner of the assets. And that's why you, if you are sued and you have a trust, any statutory trust, and the most common statutory trust is a living trust, but there's always also crummy trust, charitable remainder trust, irrevocable trust, blah, blah, blah. The assets of all statutory trusts are vulnerable to loss because you are the owner. And if somebody's suing you for whatever reason and, and you own the trust as the trustee, you those everything that's in the trust is subject to loss. Okay. Um, section two is named domicile and offices. Um, section three is appointment and powers of trustees and successors. I'm not going to give a definition of every paragraph because just like um, um, B in the in the one I just uh, or excuse me section two. It's pretty self-explanatory. So some of these, just go ahead and read them when you have the time. And if you have any questions about any of the sections, as I said earlier, send an email, and we will I will answer them and discuss them in detail on the Monday night conference calls. The creator appoints the first trustee. This is Section 3, Appointment and Powers of Trustees and Successor Trustees. The creator appoints the first trustee. After accepting their position as first trustee, the creator shall have no further duty or obligation to the contract trust, except for delivery of the acquired assets and properties to the trustees, which is on minute order five, I believe. The um, creator is no longer involved nor associated with this contract trust. The appointed first trustee may appoint a second trustee, and together the first and second trustees may appoint additional trustees. That's to say, in layman's terms, very simply, that once you make, once you submit an application, the process begins immediately, the instant we receive the application. All of your assets that you currently own will be trans are transferred to the trust instantly at the point at the time and date we receive the application. And the creator um, creates the document gets his signature on all the pages, and then on minute order number five, he resigns. He turns everything over after he, the creator appoints trustee number one, and then trustee number one, if they want to appoint trustee number two, etc., etc. Trust services is a non-voting trustee. We'll go over that contract when I get to it, but we are part of this document because that is the only thing that gives us authority to act on, on behalf of the trust. Okay. Section 3B. Although the trust is the absolute owner of the assets, the trustees may act as owners of the assets on behalf of the trust. When dealing with all business matters pertaining to the trust, the trustees will act collectively and by a majority vote of all trustees present at meetings. So, let me explain this in more detail right now. If there's one trustee at the meeting, that is a majority. If you have two trustees and one of them is at the meeting, because the other one couldn't make it for whatever reason, that is a majority. But for all pertinent um, items, the trust uh, acts by majority, is ruled by majority of the trustees. C, each trustee accepts all terms and provisions of this contract trust 
including receipt for the delivery of all assets and properties listed in Schedules A and B, and all related documents. The trustees agree to exercise their best judgment and discretion when making decisions pertaining to the contract trust. In other words, it's the responsibility of the trustees to to accept the accept the assets when the creator resigns and turns the assets over to the trust, and then to um, use their best judgment and discretion when making any decisions for the trust uh, pertaining to the assets. D, in a nutshell, says there must always be at least one trustee, but there may be many as many trustees as the board of trustees designates. If there is only one trustee, that trustee is designated as the board of trustees. If there's five trustees, they are the board of trustees. Okay? Trustees have absolute and exclusive control of the trust business affairs and assets without consent of the certificate holders. The certificate holders have, have no ownership in the trust assets, nor do they have uh, any control over the trustees. Trustees may resign or be removed from office, we've only had to do that one time, by a resolution of two-thirds of the Board of Trustees. Understand that trust services is on the Board of Trustees. Should the entire Board of Trustees become vacant, a court of competent jurisdiction will appoint a successor trustee. You do not want that to happen. That is one of the one of the several reasons that we are on that trust services is on the is uh, part of this uh, contract trust as a trustee. We're never we're not going to. You can get rid of us, but we're not going to leave. So if something if if the two trustees got killed in a car accident. The, the courts could immediately take control of the trust if there was not one, at least one trustee still on the board, okay? And you don't want that to happen because they can then appoint one of their attorney uh, colleagues to, to manage and administrate the trust. And they may or may not appoint the successor trustees you select. That's why trust services is there. Anything should happen to the, the trustees, the board of trustees, all of them, we will immediately um, go to our documents and and or get your documents and find out where and who it rather is the to be appointed as successor trustee. When you start your document, whoever you list as successor trustees, that's very important. Get it done right off the bat within the first week. Let them know where your trust documents are. Let them know that my business card is in those trust documents. And should something happen to both trustees or the one trustee, if it's a one trustee program, uh, let them know where they can contact uh, trust services right away. My business card is there with my phone number and email. E, the signing and acknowledgement of acceptance of the office of trusteeship by any trustee shall constitute investiture as such, meaning that you're, you're going to do the best job you can as a trustee. You have invest, you're going to invest your time and your knowledge and, and your efforts to making this a, a good uh, program. Uh, keep it viable. A new trustee, uh, you, you're going to acknowledge and accept by signing the minute order, activating you to the position of trustee. You've uh, accepted all the responsibilities and duties thereof. F. The Board of Trustees determines the rules, times, and dates of the meetings. I'm just going through what's in these paragraphs. I've given you a brief description that is actually in the green book. It's printed right below the paragraph. 
in red. Uh, so the trustees determine the rules, times, and dates of the meeting. G, the powers of the trustees are absolute, exclusive, and unlimited. The trustees have the power to do anything that is not illegal or against public policy. I've had people call and ask me, Mike, do I, uh, can we do this or can we do that? The only question you have to ask yourself is, is it, is it legal or illegal? And is it uh, against public policy? You don't have if you want to if you want to rob a bank. Nope, that's illegal. Won't stand up. I uh, let's see H. Where am I? Yeah, H. The fact that the trustees authorize to direct or direct something to be done is sufficient evidence that it is, it is within their power to do so. The fact that the trustees authorize or direct something to be done is sufficient evidence that it's within their power to do so. The trustees in a, in a pure contract trust, a constitutional trust, a common law trust, all one and the same, they have the power to do any of that, anything they want, okay? Um, I... Because someone lends or pays money to the trust does not give them the right to have any further knowledge as to the use of the funds. All monies received by the trust become part of the trust assets. In other words, what this is saying is that if the trust borrows money from a bank or an individual or whoever, um, or somebody pays money to this trust, they have no right to have any further knowledge of how the trust used those funds and what they did with those funds. It's simply their, it's the private business of the trust. And my friends, you don't have the right, even though you've got the program, you don't have the right. You don't own this program. You've given up your ownership rights when you transferred your assets. You don't have the right to share this program with or anything in it with anybody unless they have signed an oath of confidentiality. Okay? J, trustees are never required to post a bond. Some trusts, they, they require it, and some statutory trusts. If you're a contract trust, you do not have to post a bond if you're a trustee. K, this indenture is to be a guide to the trustees. However, due to the basic, basically unlimited powers of the trustees, this indenture may be amended from time to time to cover whatever situations arise. All changes are to be recorded in the minutes. In other words, the trustees have the power to do whatever it is they want, whether it's mentioned in the trust or not, as long as it is not illegal or against public policy. And if there are any changes, they simply write a, write a minute order and make it known to, the, to all parties that, the, that this change has been made. Okay. L. Trustees have the authority to elect officers. Trustees may hold multiple offices at the same time. Trustees may employ outside agencies, companies, third persons, etc., perform, to perform specific duties and services for the contract trust. The, the trust, uh, you may want to hire uh, an, uh, an accounting firm to do the taxes for the trust throughout the year. You may want to hire somebody to take care of the... Uh, uh, the lawn of trust properties to wash trust vehicles, um, although we don't have any trust vehicles per se, but there, there's a myriad of reasons that you could hire an outside contractor to do things for the trust. Trustees have the authority um, through elected officers to do that. 
M. Trustees may pay one or more or pay anyone who provides services for this contract trust. You don't expect people to do things for nothing, although some people, it's your trust, you're going to donate some of your time. N. Trustees may appoint executive trustees who are given special authority to perform specific duties as so delegated and prescribed, prescribed by a minute order. In other words, you may have one of the, an executive trustee may handle all of the banking. Another executive trustee may be appointed to handle whatever real estate ventures or investment ventures the trust has. Again, you're in total control in this trust. Nobody else is in control of it as uh, many statutory trusts don't have. Okay? Oh, Trustees are not personally liable as individuals. A trustee's liability is limited to the extent of trust assets. The liability of a trustee does not affect any beneficial holdings, trust certificates they may hold. So in other words, if a trustee has a lawsuit against them or something, they can't take the trust certificates. The trust certificates are a special beneficial entity and they, uh, they have no ascertainable value. Losses incurred by a trustee shall be reimbursed by the trust. This is something that's put in there because in a statutory trust, the trustees are the owners of the properties. And that way, if anybody does have a lawsuit against either the trustee or the trust itself, they can come after the trustees as well. In a, in a pure contract trust, they can't. P, trustees must select successor trustees. Guys, that's very important. You don't know when anything is going to happen to you. You don't have a clue. So make sure that when you're going through your documents the first week and you're getting everything signed and notarized and, and uh, the pictures taken to move assets, into, to physically move assets into the trust, either by written form or pictures, pictorial form, make sure that you go to minute order number seven. That's one of the first things you should do and put down who you want as successor trustees. Okay, it's in minute order number seven. Q, the authority of the trustees and all others related with this, associated rather, with this contract trust is limited to that which is provided in this trust indenture. In other words, you can set up by minute order any authority that you want for the trustees to have. But as of right now, it's limited to what you have in, the, uh, in this trust indenture, okay, which is still basically unlimited. All you have to do if you want to give a, a trustee more authority or trustees more authority, you simply write it in a, in a minute order and everybody signs it. Section 4 is certificates. Section 4A, there will never be more than 100 trust certificates issued. Trust certificates may be divided into fractions and or decimals. So there's always going to be only 100 trust certificates. You can divide them up any way you want. For your successor trustees, uh, or excuse me, successor certificate holders, um, which is scheduled, I believe it's D, it's the uh, bequeathing trust certificates. You can, if you have three kids, you can give them 33 and a third each if you want to make it. If you have 17, you can put it into a decimal factor. As a matter of fact, MSB, which is on the New York Stock Exchange, it's my Masabi Mine, they have uh, decimals of certificate holders because they've got thousands and thousands and thousands of certificate holders. You'll notice if you look it up, if you go to your computer and Google MSB, you'll find out that it is not a corporation, it is a trust, and they don't trade stock, they trade stock, uh, trust certificates. 
Okay. B, if there is only one contractor, that person will receive all 100 trust certificates. If there's more than one initial contractor, the 100 trust certificates will be equally divided among the contractors. The initial trust, now they'll be equally divided unless there's an agreement and we receive written notice that they want maybe a 60-40 or a 70-30 split. Okay, other than that, we don't receive anything written. We will divide them 50-50 if there's two contractors or 33 and a third, 33 and a third, 33 and a third, if there's three contractors. Um, initial certificates will be signed by the creator that creates the trust. Subsequent trust certificates shall be signed and issued by the trustees. When there is a, uh, a change of certificate ownership, um, the trustees will sign the certificates and, and send them to the certificate holders, owners. The assets are herein legally owned by the contract trust. There's case law to support that, that the trust, I many times have somebody ask me who is the owner of the trust. The trust is its own owner, okay? The assets here are legally owned by the contract trust. In a statutory trust, as I said earlier, the trustees are considered the owners of the assets, which is why if the trustee is sued and found guilty and there's a judgment against him, at that point they can take the assets from the trust because they're owned by the trustee, such as in a living trust. Living trust has zero asset protection. 4C, certificate holders do hereby approve and accept all terms, conditions, stipulations, and agreements of the certificates. We'll go over the certificates when we get to them later in the document. 4D, the certificate holders may transfer all or any part of their certificates to anyone at any time. Change of certificate ownership must be recorded in the certificate log stating the date of transfer, the name of the new certificate owner, and how many certificates were transferred. The certificate holder may retain a portion of their certificates. You don't have to give them all away. At the time of the transfer, the certificate holder must surrender their, their certificates to the trustees. At the time of transfer, the certificate holder must surrender their certificates oh, to the trustees. The trustees will issue new certificates to the newly recorded certificate owners. Only the person or entity whose name is recorded on in the certificate log shall be treated as the owner of the certificate. If you transfer your certificates, it has to be listed in the log because if there is a disbursement, if there's a $10,000 disbursement and one of the certificate holders wasn't named, uh, it, they won't receive their pro rata share of the disbursement. It'll go to whoever's names are in the, uh, in the log at the time of the now, let me say too, the reason that the certificate, the reason that the contractors must receive the initial certificates is because that is the consideration of the con contractual consideration given to the contractors by the creator in return for the consideration of assets. Okay? So they're in the contract. The assets they give up are assets excuse me, the consideration they give up is, are, are the assets. And in return, they must, the, the contractors must receive, the ones that gave up the assets, they must receive the certificates in, as consideration in return for their assets. 
any point after that time, uh, they can they can exchange they can uh, convey the certificates to whoever they want to. It can be to your kids. It can be to your some of them to your church. Some of them to the Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts. Some of them to Ronald McDonald House or Salvation. Wherever you want to to convey your certificates, you have the legal right to do that. You're the owner of the certificates, and the certificates have been deemed personal property by the U.S. Supreme Court. Okay. Should any outstanding uh, oh this is four um, e should any outstanding certificates become invalid because of death or certificate owner of the certificate owner etc the certificates will instantly be and if they haven't if they haven't put down in a minute order or on the bequeathing uh, bequeath trust um, certificates if they haven't listed who they anybody they want the certificates to go to specifically and how many the certificates will instantly become the property of the trust. So you've got to make sure that you complete bequeath, bequeathing trust certificates in your trust documents. Trustees may reissue the certificates to a new person or entity at their discretion or according to minutes directing disbursement of certificates. They either make it known who you want your certificates going through the bequeathing minute order or through a uh, minute or that you just state who you want your certificates to go to. Okay, 4F. The initial consideration of money and property transferred by the contractor to the creator is irrevocable. That's one of the things, my friends, that gives it its power. You can't take your, your assets back as you can in a living trust or any other type of statutory trust because they're all revocable. Okay. When the exchange has been completed, the contract is fixed, and no additional assets shall be added to the agreement. 4G, a trustee, while serving, um, a trustee while so serving may acquire, own, and dispose of certificates in this contract trust to the same extent as if they were not a trustee. There have been... Um, Financial planners, estate planners that have told our clients, told people that have started the trust, well, you can't be a trustee and a beneficiary at the same time or a certificate holder. That's flat out wrong. There's case law when you start a when you start a uh, living trust when a, when you create a living trust, um, you appoint you put in your assets. You are the the creator, the grantor, the settler. And you are also the trustee and the beneficiary. I don't know where these people got their education, but they're wrong. If anybody tells you you can't be a trustee and a certificate holder, they don't know what they're talking about. And I would quickly recommend that you get a, or I would recommend that you quickly get a new uh, financial planner. Okay, Section 5, Limited Rights of Certificate Holders. 5A. Certificate holders only have rights as given in the terms of this contract and declaration of trust. Should anything happen to the certificate holder, it will not affect this contract trust in any manner. The certificate holder is only the beneficiary, or in a statutory word, the beneficiary. Okay? They have, the rights are entirely different, but for the most part, that's it. Uh, the, the certificate holders are the beneficiaries. It's the easiest way to understand it in layman's terms. 5B, 
Certificates are personal property of the recorded owner. They've been designated in case law as personal property, not community property interests. The certificate designates no ownership or beneficial interest in the trust assets. It states right on your on the certificate, and we'll go through that when we get to the certificate. It states right there that this certificate has no no ownership in the trust assets. Okay. Um, the certificates only entitle the owners to a proportionate share of distributions. The certificate holders have no control over the trustees. And that's very important because in statutory documents, the certificate, the beneficiaries do have uh, control over the assets, what can be sold or bought or anything, and they also have con control over the trustees. 5C, certificate holders have no rights to know anything about the assets of the trust. Certificate holders, it is none of their business what the trustees are doing within the boundaries of the trust, what they're buying, what they're selling. It's none of their business. They have no rights whatsoever to, to know anything about it. D, certificates are not community property, but personal property of the certificate holder. Upon the death or disillusion of a certificate holder, the certificates become null and void and immediately become the property of the trust, unless you've got listed in, in the bequeathing um, minute that of who you want your certificates to go to. If it's a husband and wife, they, wife, they each have 50 certificates and they can each designate who they're to go to. Okay. 5E, certificate holders have no rights concerning the trustees of the contract trust than those described herein. The rights of the certificate holders are limited to a claim against the trustees to enforce this indenture without the right to claim damages. 5F, distributions are made at the discretion of the trustees, and this is very powerful. Nobody can force the trustees to, to um, make a distribution. They can make, it's not a corporation where you have to do it every quarter. In a trust, it's up to the discretion of the trustees. You don't have to ever disperse any of the funds in the form of a dividend or whatever. Okay. Um, section 6, non-liability of certificate holders. There will never be a liability against the certificate holder beyond their initial exchange of assets to the contract trust. In other words, if somebody, uh, if the trust is sued for some reason, and somebody says, "Well, we want to do an, uh, we want, we want to get more money," it's in a statutory environment where the trustees are the owners, they and they get a, a million dollars settlement, and there's only a, a half million dollars in there, and there's five uh, trustees. Each five, each of the five trustees would be um, forced to pay a hundred thousand dollars to settle the. Uh, judgment against the trust. In the, pure, in the pure contract trust, the trustees are only appointed and therefore have no, um, they can't come after the trustees for any debts of the trust, nor can they come after the trust for any debts or judgments incurred by the trustees. Okay? They're totally independent of one another. That's the power of a private contract, my friends. That's what you're, and these are the things you have to learn and um, so that you really truly start to understand the power of this program. 
Section 8, 7, excuse me, Section 7, Distributions. Trustees may declare a, a distribution at their discretion. Section 8 is excuse, executions of contracts. In, in a nutshell, legal instruments shall be signed in the name of the contract trust. Whatever the name of your trust is, that's what you make the contract of that name, as far as the trust is concerned. A business seal is not required. Section 9. The trustees may lend money with or without interest or security. A loan cannot be made to a trustee or certificate holder without fair security. That's part of the program. We've had a couple of people that were starting to make loans with, with, without, to, and quite simply, it was to, it was to change their tax obligation. And uh, we're not going to get in the trick bag with that, and we don't want any of you doing that. If you want to, if you want to purchase a car, you can take a loan from the trust or the LLC. And you purchase the car. There is security there. The equity in that vehicle will be um, the security. And you have to set and establish a definite set of payments to pay the loan back. Okay? But you can take a loan as long as there's sufficient security. Or a house, if you want to get the, the trust or the LLC, can provide the, more, the money for a uh, mortgage. Section 10, acting as guarantor. And this is what some people are concerned about. Well, Mike, if I give all my assets up, how do I, how do I uh, fill out a financial statement? One second. Section 10, acting as guarantor. Trustees may, at their discretion, allow the assets owned by the trust to be pledged to a person, company, or other illegal entity as long as adequate compensation is paid to the trust. So in other words, when you go to fill out a financial statement, the trust has the legal, and it's, it's done all the time, the trust can pledge assets to an individual, a company, or other legal entity. So you can, it can pledge the assets to you in a simple minute order, and you can go to the bank to get your loan, whatever you want, and you can uh, uh, fill out a financial statement, and it will... It's as if you own the property because the property has been pledged to you. So you can fill it out just as if the property was yours. Understanding that if you were to if you were to default on whatever it is you're you're using the finance you're applying the, and you need to give the financial statement, you'll, the trust will lose its assets. But it's no different if you pledge them yourself, and um, if you pledge them yourself and lost the assets, okay. So it's 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 at your discretion. If you if you um, pledge if the assets are pledged to you, you're still responsible to protect those assets. If you lose them, you lose them. Section twelve. No, section eleven. Notice of limited liability. Anyone doing business with or having a claim against this contract trust can look only to the assets of the trust for payment or settlement of the claim. They can't come to you. Trustees, officers, and agents are only in appointed positions or employees of this trust and are not personally liable for the debts or claims against this contract trust. And there's plenty of case law out there that supports that very statement. So if, if somebody comes against the trust, they can't get any of your assets. If somebody comes against you, they can't touch the trust assets. Section 12, 
duration, termination, and continuation. This contract trust is valid for a period of 25 years. The trustees may dissolve the trust earlier if deemed appropriate. That was 12A. 12B, trustees may sell assets at a public or private sale for a price and upon certain such terms as the trustees deem to be fair. So you can buy and sell assets in the name of the trust. After discharging all tax and legal obligations of the trust, the proceeds of the sale and the remaining assets are to be proportionately distributed among the certificate holders. Upon final disbursement of the assets of the trust, the trustees are automatically discharged of their duties. So you can, the, the trust can be, uh, can be dissolved at the discretion of the trustees or at the time the trustees want to dissolve it. 12C, trustees may renew this contract trust at any time prior to the, de the termination date. The trust may be renewed for the same or a shorter period of time. The resolution to renew this contract trust shall be recorded in the minutes. Section 13 is interpretation, disputes, and claims. Trustees 13A, trustees have the sole power and authority to interpret this instrument as so stated in the, construct, in the construction and minutes of this contract trust. And what that's saying in a nutshell is that, that you can, by the use of minutes, you can, you can give your trust as the trustees. You can give this trust the authority to do certain things, to not do certain things. It's totally at the discretion of the trustees, and that's probably the most important part um, to be aware of. 13B, the contract trust shall never be construed to be a statutory trust or association. It's only... It shall only be interpreted as a contract, thus creating a common law pure trust or an unincorporated private common law business. All interpretations of this contract trust shall be under common law. That is so powerful, my friend, because you've been my friends because you've been living in a statutory law uh, environment all your life. 13C. All parties, claims, and disputes trustees, and certificate holders to hereby agree to the selection of a mutually agreed upon arbitrator or arbitration panel. All concerned parties agree to be bound by the decision of the arbitrators. The arbitrators shall operate under the current rules of the American Arbitration Association. So in other words, guys, if there's something that you can't, if there's a divorce or something that you just can't settle on your own, then we recommend if you're still going to go forward with the trust and you want to split the assets of the trust, you can determine just to dissolve the trust and take the assets yourself, or you can bring in an arbitrator and he will work with, the, with both of you to determine who gets what assets, okay, and you as a trustee and you as a certificate holder. 13B, this trust is not amenable judicial regulation or interpretation. If there is no trustee to terminate this contract trust, and there always will be at least one, that's trust services, and making proper distributions of trust property, then a proper court may appoint a disinterested successor trustee to act on behalf of this trust. I can promise you if the court um, appoints somebody, um, 
it won't be disinterested. They will be thinking of their own, what they can benefit. Section 17, or excuse me, 14, is the saving clause. The contract trust may not abate or disregard any federal or state laws. The trustees have no authority that allows them any special privileges beyond the law. Um, and that's what I said. It can't be for anything illegal or against public policy. If any part of uh, Section 14B, if any part of this contract and declaration of trust shall be invalid, the remaining provisions remain in full effect. Trustees, certificate holders, and their successors acknowledge that this contract trust shall continue and be a viable entity. Guys, that's the that's the trust indenture. And... Um, what I want you to do is, if you have any questions or if there's just some part of it that, that doesn't make sense to you, read it several times and, and read it according to the punctuation so that you're, you're aware of what it says. Sometimes I read through a comma or something, and when you put the punctuation in, it, it gives it a whole separate meaning. Um, but if you have any questions over any part of the indenture, send them to me between now and Sunday night. Or Monday morning, and or even Monday before, so it's before five o'clock before the conference call, and I will will answer your questions on that conference call or try to get to all of them. Now this is a page page uh, page thirteen on this here particular um, on the um, um, teaching trust that you get with your program. The teaching trust uh, page thirteen. It's, it's the duress page. So this page affirms that the contractor did, under duress, have their signatures notarized by an officer of the court. And I want to take this here in a little more detail because people said, well, I didn't. You know, I, there's been a, attorneys have told people that if you sign under duress, you've invalidated the trust. Well, that's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, every attorney that's looked at this, except for a few lately, um, have said that the, the program is fine. They're, I mean, the, the duress page is fine. They've never even questioned it, as a matter of fact. They understand what it is. The duress page, in just my own words, states that because we used to originally have witnesses sign the page, and that should be all that's required, um, because your, your signature is your seal, and your seal should be good enough. However, in this day and age, as people more and more try to play games and and uh, defraud other people. And it doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen from time to time. But because it does happen, um, we have to, uh, you have to be able to prove that you're who you say you are and that your witnesses are not enough. And this was pointed out to me. At first, we used just witnesses, and an attorney asked me once, he said, if, if, if the uh, contractor of the trust or the trustee had a bad, bad car accident, and um, they were acting, and they, uh, people were hurt, and the judge put the witnesses on the stand and said, hey, can you prove to me that you signed this page as a witness, this minute order as a witness, can you prove to me that you signed that on the date that you put behind your name? I said, wow, I said, you can't prove that. No way, no way that I know of proof that. He said, what I would do if I were you would be to take the, take the minute orders that require a witness down to the county courthouse or the MLA in Canada and have the, uh, have the document notarized. 
at which gives the date and, and the fact that you are who you said you were on that date. And I said, I liked your idea, but I don't like your method because the minute it goes to the county courthouse or to the MLA or whatever else, now it becomes a uh, document. Now it becomes recorded, and anybody with a computer and that has a little bit of knowledge can, can look up and find out everything about your entity, whether it's a trust or a corporation or an LLC or a partnership. And I said, I don't like that. And I said, a notary is an officer of the court. So that's when we put in notaries. So that it keeps the, maintains the privacy of the trust. Privacy is the biggest part of the trust, as a matter of fact. So because you're being forced to notarize a document um, to prove that that was your name and that was your date, that's, that's under duress. Um, Black's Law Dictionary, 5th edition, states that duress is that as identified by unlawful constraint exercised upon a man whereby he is forced to do some act that he otherwise would not have done. What attorney would tell people that it, it uh, invalidates the trust and they don't know what, direct, what under duress is? Uh, I don't know what dictionaries they're using, but you're being forced to use a notary. You shouldn't have to, but you're being forced to do it because it's because of, I don't have any problem with that, guys, but that's what under duress means. Um, because what can happen here, if, if, if you don't admit that you're signing under duress, they can bring you right back into the statutory venue. You're using a notary, which is a statutory person. A statutory person that can cause this whole trust to be brought right back into the statutory venue versus the... Um, the, the federal level that it's in, whether it's in Canada, U.S., Germany, England, Panama, they've got federal laws there. And once it's, um, uh, you don't want it to be in a statutory environment. You want to go the other way because about the last figure I heard was that 85% of the lawyers, the attorneys in the U.S., Canada, and most other countries, they cannot operate within a federal court, okay? You've got to have special training to operate within a federal court. But that's all this here is about, saying, hey, we're being forced to have our notary, have a notary uh, validate our signature and, and the date upon which we did everything. And there's no problem with that. I have no problem. But we're just protecting ourselves with this page 13 or 12, depending on what your document has it. But we're protecting ourselves so that we don't get pushed back into the statutory to a statutory environment. Okay, that's all this page is about, to keep you out of a statutory environment. And you are under duress because you're being forced to have your signature notarized to protect your own behind. Now we get into the minute orders. We're probably halfway through. The, the trust document, uh, the trust indenture actually, is, what is, is I wanted to take some time to go through each paragraph of that so that you want, so that you can get a general understanding of what it's about. Minute order number one, confirmation of exchange. The, the purpose of this minute order is, is the contractual agreement between the creator and the contractors. And it says that the creator as contract, its creator and the contractors offered, the creator offered the contractor to trade 100 trust certificate units as provided in this contract and declaration of trust in exchange for certain real and or personal property owned by the contractor to be listed in Schedule A1 through B7. 
as herein attached. These 100 trust certificate units shall be prepared as one certificate and delivered to contractor one. Of course, if it's a two-person, a two-contractor program, it will be prepared as two certificates, and one will be one will be um, delivered to each of the contractors. Okay. Minute order number two: appointment of the first trustee. Minute order number two is simply the where the creator appoints the first trustee. Minute order number three. Appointment of the second trustee. This is where the first trustee, the creator's out of the picture now. It's in the hands of the first trustee. The first trustee creates, or appoints rather, the second trustee. Minute order number four is the activation of the trust. Minute order number four acknowledges the creation of the board of trustees and announces that this trust is in full force. Also that trustees rule by majority vote. Says we the trustees here and after known as here and after known as hereafter known as the Board of Trustees and according to this contract and declaration of trust to hereby declare this contract trust to be in full force and effect and to hereby pledge our best efforts on behalf of this contract trust. We do further agree to engage in any activity that could bring unfavorable reaction upon this contract trust. And that could be one of the reasons for the dismissal of a trustee if they do something that causes, and I don't care what it is, if they do something that the other trustees feel has brought to unfavorable reaction upon the trust, then they can get rid of them. This minute is to be binding on all present successor trustees. Approval by a majority of the active trustees, blah, blah, blah. Minute order number five, property transfer, creator to trustees. The final duty of the creator to transfer all property received from the contractor to the Board of Trustees. The Board of Trustees must record all assets now owned by this contract trust into Schedule A and Schedule B. As the final duty of this duty of the creator pursuant to this contract and trust indenture, the creator does herein transfer and convey all real and personal property received from the contractor to the Board of Trustees. The, the creator gives all the assets to the Board of Trustees. This property shall be immediately recorded in Schedules A1 through B7. And um, this document creating the corporate of this document creating the corporate be it resolved and noted that this newly appointed board of trustees is hereby release and discharge Hampton Miles or whoever your creator would be of all further duties, responsibilities, and obligations as herein contained within this contract and trust indenture. So the creator is gone, although he he's still present in in. Uh, some of the documents still in the trust. Okay, private contract agreement. This is what links trust services with this particular trust. This is the private contractual agreement appointing trust services as a non-voting trustee for the purpose of responding to outside sources on behalf of this trust. You can read that. It's very simple, very to the point. Okay. Now here's the schedules where the transfers of property actually take place, Schedule A1. This form is to transfer real property to the trust in fee simple, which means the legal and equitable titles, okay, both the legal and the equitable titles. If both legal and equity are transferred, it's considered transferred in fee simple. If, this is only if and when you decide to transfer your home to the trust, any other property 
will be transferred, real property, any other real property will be transferred to an LLC. This is for the trust, uh, for the residence only, your personal residence only. And it's very, very simple. I, contractor one, as contractor to hereby transfer the following real property to the trust in exchange for trust certificates. If you're not transferring, you see the note, if, if no real property is exchanged to this trust, this document will remain blank and unsigned. All you have to do is where it says property address, you input the address of the real property. Property legal description, you input the legal description of the real property. Now, you don't have to put in 450 feet north-northwest of the final 200 feet of the south-southeast, blah, blah, blah. Not the legal, you want the, the legal description, which on many of the uh, many of the, the counties around the uh, U.S. and Canada, they'll have, um, plat, or they used to have plat book and then a number, or PB and then a number, and page or PG and then a number, a page number. Um, many of the, the counties in the U.S. and Canada now and the provinces in Canada are going to a just a numbered um, ID description, okay? It would be number, number, dash, number, number, dash, number, number, dash. Uh, generally, it's a series of two numbers with a dash in between them. So whatever the, the legal description is on your tax, the tax bill you get, so um, you can, you, all you do is whenever you're inputting something, if you're if you're not going to type it, and there's not, it's hard to find a typewriter anymore. But if you're not going to type it, write everything very legibly. If your handwriting is atrocious, then have somebody else print it in there for you. Don't write anything. I apologize. I mean, print it. Make sure that it's printed very legibly. Let there be no doubt. It's your property. You don't want you don't want to cause doubt somewhere and have your property being taken from you because of a, a simple thing like they couldn't understand or they made them, made a mistake on, on what you wrote. Make sure it's printed very legibly, okay? And there's Schedule B-1. Schedule B-1 is quite simply you transfer uh, real property, the equity of real property. This can be done with your residence right off the bat until you take the time to, to actually uh, use Schedule A, of which you transfer the actual property in. But this here is to make sure that everything acknowledged, that every every nickel's worth of equity in your residence or any other real property that you own, that the trust now owns, uh, or you own, you're still the title owner, but make sure that any other real property is has a Schedule B-1. You can list two of two properties on this. You might have a, a rental property or something, but if you've got four or five pieces of property or more, make additional, make copies of this, and they are in the blank documents, okay? You can... You can um, put them, you can go into the blank documents, you can type everything in there if you want, really, and then you can um, um, make copies of it. Okay? So you input the address, very simple. You input the address of the real property, and you input the legal description of the real property. It's, again, legal description. That's all you have to do on Schedule B-1. And all of the equity, see, I don't care about any part of that property that's not yours. Yours is the equitable interest in that property, the equitable title of that property. This is a mortgage company. They they put they uh, they they protect the their equitable value in that property by 
by filing a lien. And we'll do that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. We will do that. But um, for right now, this is where you're transferring. This is the legal page that you're transferring the equity. And after you um, put that in there, you go down to the bottom and you have your signature notarized for you and your spouse. Okay. Schedule B2 is tangible personal property transfer. This form transfers all tangible personal property to the trust. This proof of exchange can be in either written or pictorial form. Take pictures of all personal assets being transferred to the trust. Home furnishings, lawn and garden items, tools and equipment, audio, video, jewelry, furs, antiques, etc. It is recommended to use a digital camera with a picture date. It places a date right on each picture. And that you place the pictures. Uh, it says CD, but we don't go that way anymore. Better it's to just take the little SC card out of the digital camera and keep it with the Trust One in the Trust One binder where the CD is. That way if, if the trust or the LLC uh, gets more assets, you can take you just put that particular little SC card back in and you take more pictures and they're right in there with all the others. CD, you can't do that. You'd have to put the pictures on another CD. Um, personal property assets may also be listed in written form, such as business interests, inheritance claims, etc. Include identifying numbers and appraisals, anything you may have. And um, you'll notice a little ways down, this is I do hereby transfer all tangible personal property as herein documented in written form through minute order number, and put the, put the number of the minute order right there with it, okay? I do hereby transfer all tangible personal property as herein documented pictorially on disk or file number, and give you a disk a name or a file number or something, and um, um, you can just maybe write, write the name or the file number on a piece of paper, and take the first picture will be of that name or file number. And then again, you get it notarized, and it's a done deal. Nobody can take any of the assets that are in, on any of those pictures. Okay? And it's good for insurance purposes as well. We now have the new uh, vehicle lien form uh, for Schedule B-3. And if there's, uh, we've got Schedule B-3A. Some of you may not have this on your, con on, your, um, on your teaching trust yet. It's just being incorporated now. But you, we can get you to send a minute order saying I need the vehicle lien form. And all you do for each vehicle, you fill out one of these forms, a vehicle lien. The reason we're doing this, we used to have one that was protected by the UCC lien until we found out that it is not protected by the UCC lien because your vehicles are licensed within a state. The state doesn't recognize a UCC lien. They want a lien pertinent to the state. And that's no big deal, and it's even really better for you because the lien is being put on by your trust one because it owns the equity in that vehicle. You transfer, you are here for transferring the equity in that vehicle um, to trust one. So you simply fill out this form. You put the year, make, and model, and the VIN number, VIN of the, uh, of the vehicle, and uh, you'll see my signature's already down at the bottom, and where it says... The dollar sign, you put in the amount of the lien. You determine what it is. I wouldn't figure low. I would figure a little bit on the high side. But you determine what the lien is going to be on each vehicle. And um, you take this form, you print it out then, and you take it down to the uh, 
um, DMV along with the title or the registration of the vehicle, and they'll handle it from there. They'll send you your title or registration back uh, shortly with the, uh, the vehicle lien on there. We also have the next document is the release of the vehicle lien. You do the same thing. Basically, the year, make, model, and bin, and then you put in the amount of the lien that is being released. You'll notice it says this letter is to confirm that the lien for an amount of so many dollars placed on the, the above-noted vehicle on, and you put the date on there, has been satisfied and is herein released by the Board of Trustees of this trust, trust services, okay? So, oh, it's actually, yeah, the lien is actually being put on by um, your trust, but we will, we are a representative trustee for your trust, so that's why you see trustee uh, trust services after my name, okay? Um, Schedule B-4, Investment Equity Transfer. This form transfers the equity of investments in which the name of the title owner cannot be easily changed, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, precious metals, etc., without the investment being sold and the investment account closed and a new account opened in the name of the new owner, Trust One or the LLC. Um, most investment houses, if, the, if, if you've got stocks in your name, mutual funds in your name, whatever, they won't just transfer the ownership name. You'll have to sell it, and there may, you may incur a tax liability uh, based on that. So um, all you have to do here is input the specific name of the investment, and then you input the, spe the specific account number of the investment. If it is a security, security. if it's a currency that you have, um, if it's a security of you that you have, you want to put the name of that, um, not security, you want to put the name of that, um, yeah, it would be a security, stock, bond, or mutual fund, something like that. You input the specific name of the investment, uh, Keystone S4 Mutual Fund, and you input the specific account number of the investment. So if you're working with one of the firms or a bank or something, they'll have an account number for you for that particular investment. Now, you may have several separate investments with the um, with that particular, or with different. You can put from different companies. You may have one with Merrill Lynch. You may have one with Edward Jones. You may have one with, with Chase Bank. You, know, you can put them all in there, but put your account number and reference that. Get that signed and notarized. Now, every investment that has been listed is protected. The equity is owned. The equity is owned by the trust one. Schedule B-5 is investment transfer. This form transfers the legal and equitable ownership of an investment, in other words, in fee simple, from the contractor to trust one. Now, this is when you've got any investment that is not recorded, such as currency, such as um, precious metals, such as gems, uh, anything that is not owned or not recorded in a person's name. For example, name of investment, you very, very legibly print Iraqi dinar, if that's what you have. Vietnamese dong, if that's what you have. Um, um, I don't know how you would list, but you would put down white diamonds or colored diamonds or 
gold or silver, anything of which is not recorded, but you have. Guys, don't put an amount. Don't put how many you have of anything or how much you have of anything. That's nobody else's business. You know where you've got it. You're in control of the trust. Um, But this form, what it does, it transfers the legal and equitable ownership of an investment from the contractor to trust one. And that's how simple this is, that you can protect all of your, I know a lot of our clients have, right at, at this particular moment in history, they have a lot of Iraqi. We have a lot of clients with Iraqi dinar and with various currencies. So all you do is print the very legibly print the name of the currency up on the first line where it says name of investment, and the second line where it says account number. You put N slash A because in most instances that stands for not applicable, but there will be no account number with gold or silver or currency or whatever it might be. Again, you get it notarized. And, the, and all of that is owned by the trust. And let me make a statement right here. That's why it's so important to get these pages completed and notarized at ASAP when you get your documents within the first week. Okay. Schedule B6 is business equity transfer. If there is a spouse and you both own 50% of the business, it was a corporation that you created or something, you, there will be a 6A and a 6B. One for the spouse is 50% of the business. But this here, this here right now is an example of just a one-person, one-contractor um, trust. All you have to do is I, as the contractor, do hereby transfer all of my present and future equitable ownership in, and you print the name of the business. Okay, You print the name of the business. Um, to this trust in exchange for trust certificates. One more time. I, as the contractor, to hereby transfer all of my present and future equitable ownership in the name of your business, you print it in there, to this trust in exchange for certificates. Now, what does that do? That means that if you've got a, um, an existing business, we've just protected it through the trust. If anybody sues you, you get the UCC1 placed on, and we are in what's known as priority position, priority position, probably the two most powerful words in asset protection, priority position. You've got to get the trust done prior to any action against you. Okay? That's the easiest way to protect you. Again, get it notarized and all of the equity in your business. Now, we now are, are strongly recommending and advocating that you then take your business, if it's a corporation, you transfer the stock into the name of the trust, if it can be done that way. Uh, some states don't allow it. Maybe some provinces don't allow it. I'm not aware of it, but they may not. Um, but if it's an LLC or something like that, yes, you can make the member trust one. Um, schedule B7. This is assignment of income. This is very, very important. This form commonly assigns uh, all for, all sources of income to this contract trust, whether it's active or passive income. Guys, what this here points out to everybody, this is just a general assignment of income form. It's just a general one. It's got the case law at the top, Coppage versus Canada, Canada, Coppage versus Kansas, and here's what it says, included in the right of personal liberty and the right of private property, Partaking of the nature of each is the right to make contracts for the acquisition of property. Chief among such contracts is that of personal employment, 
of which labor and other services are exchanged for money or other forms of property. So you're, the, the money is personal property, and you're making a contract with your employer or whoever it is, if it's an active uh, source of income, you're making a contract with your employer that if you make $20 an hour and you work one hour and one second, you own the $20 and you're working on the second $20. You've also agreed with your employer that you will um, you will accept those funds on a weekly basis or monthly basis or commission as a commission basis whenever you get it. But that shows right there that your your uh, income, active income, is um, personal property, okay, and therefore can be protected, and therefore is protected with an assignment of income. Ted Kennedy proved that in the Chappaquiddick case, of which Mary Jo Kopechny died, and his attorneys stated to the attorneys for the Kopechnys that um, Mr. Kennedy owns nothing, and even his income has been assigned to a foundation. Okay, so it, there's there's adequate case law for every single thing we do. If anybody tries to tell you this isn't real, you 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 know the difference now. Okay. Um, and I still get that many, many times in the course of a month by people that supposedly know everything. And here it is. I, contractor, as contractor, to hereby transfer all sources of my present and future income, active or passive, to this pure contract trust in exchange for trust certificates. This income includes but is not limited to, and those are the key words, but is not limited to, employment income, social security, pension plan, 401k. I need to get... We need to get the, uh, the 401k and IRA type of entities from Canada and put them in, in here as well. Uh, professional income, etc., as specifically mentioned in the assignment of income forms. Now, there are assignment of income forms, again, in your um, CD. It comes with your Trust One. It's right in front of your Trust One uh, binder, in the front of your Trust One binder. You scroll down to page 24, 25, 28, whatever it is, somewhere in there. And you'll see Schedule B7. And you'll also see right below that example assignment of income. And it shows you right there exactly what you're supposed to put in there. And you even pick the percentages of what income. You might not want to – they know you need in, you need still need your personal bank account because you still need to buy groceries for yourself. You need to buy clothes and you need to buy personal items. They know that among possibly other things. So um, you determine what percentage of the income you want to place. If you want to, if you want to put 100% on certain items, you want to put 70% on other items, you want to put 90% on other items, you determine. You determine what you need to, as a personal income every month, and then everything else gets assigned, Okay. And you may want to put all of your items at 100%, and then take an income, take an income from your trust or your LLC for the amount that you need to live on. And if somebody tries to garnish your wages, they just can't take it. They got to determine your bills and everything else. So, so you um, um, you want to protect yourself. And Bill Tully talks about that very well when he when he talks about the taxes, and he will be. Once again, speaking about that on March 7th in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and it will be a webinar. Okay, 
Next is Schedule C1. This is just a, a record of your UCC filing, guys, okay? Um, just something that you can keep so that you can glance at. If you say we filed it on this date, maybe another time you had to remove it because you were selling a piece of property, and then you put it back on. This is just kind of a record of your UCC filings. Some people will file at one time and never make a change, okay? But other people uh, that buy and sell things may do that. Schedule D is certificate holders. This lists the certificate holders. Uh, this page lists the name of the initial certificate owners and the number of certificates owned by each. You may want to, um, um, there, it's, there's a, this here, it, there's a blank in your, in your CD, which is a, really a, a compilation of all, your, all the various minute orders and stuff. You may want to just go ahead and uh, um, print up a new one if, if you transfer some of your stock, uh, some of your certificates to kids or to your kids or uh, whoever you, you but we've got to have a list of who the valid certificate holders are. These, the initial ones, if it's a husband and wife, there will be two names there, contractor one and contractor two, and each will have 50 trust certificate units, okay? Trust, or excuse me, Schedule D-2. Schedule D-2 is bequeathing trust certificates. And um, this is what I was talking about a little while ago, uh, the fact that um, the fact that the uh, we've got a place that you can you can list who you want your certificates to go to, and this came about by a client who one day asked me, Mike, what if we're both killed in a car wreck or something, and we haven't made out a minute order yet to who we want our certificates to go to? So we decide I decided to make it very simple for you. So. Um, it says here, as the recorded owner of 100 trust certificates that are hereby affirmed upon my passing, my certificates shall be reissued to the person entities as designated below. Um, I further request that the trustees expedite the charge of this certificate, change of this certificate ownership, and deliver the certificates to the owners as quickly as possible. That's when something happens. I uh, further understand that I have the right to change, amend, alter or rescind the contents of this minute at any time. In other words, you can change the certificate holders at any time you want. And we have had client, we have clients that specifically started this program. They had a very successful business and they, they had a one of their children was on cocaine real bad and according to the state law, if they didn't have the trust, that person would have a right to a portion of that business. So we they specifically started their program to keep that son from having any any uh, any options in their on their death. They own nothing. Okay. Next, we have minute order number seven, which is successor trustees. This is where you list. Uh, you can list up to four successor trustees, and again, you can determine what happens and how the how the trustees are appointed, what duties they have, etc. Or they're just part of the trustee. Group, the Board of Trustees, okay? But list them immediately, guys. If something can happen to you in a heartbeat, and we don't want that, to, we don't want anything to, to offset that. So, um, minute order number eight. Change, people a lot of times ask, Mike, how do I change the address of my, uh, my trust? Here it is right here, minute order number eight. Change of address. Should you ever need it, 
You, we are trustees by the power vested in us to this contract and trust indenture to hereby change the address of this of trust such and such to address whatever the address is. You'll, we'll put it in there for you, or you'll put it in there. Minute number nine is creation of a limited liability company. If you need, we create the initial one for you. If you need additional uh, LLCs to um, hold property or to hold for any other reason, any reason at all that you deem viable, it's up to you. Um, this is what creates a new one, okay? And you will determine which assets go to the LLC, what assets are going to be in there. Now, we also have, and it's not in here, it's um, it's not in your back office, but I don't know what they call it, but you can go right in there and you can uh, get the form for creating the second LLC. We need to know the name of the LLC. We need to know what state you want it out of. We need to know the purpose of the LLC so we know whether or not it's a business entity. And we've got, we've got different forms for that. We've got different um, operating agreements for that. So if you're going to start a new one, just... Um, um, Send an email, and we will send you that. That um, it's a like a little application, just one page, very easy. What's the purpose of the LLC? What's the new name you want for the or names? Give us several names. Um, here's a change of minute number ten is a change of address for the LLC. Um, then we come to the oath of confidentiality. I talked to an attorney today for one of our clients that's in a bit of a jam. Uh, this document must be signed by each person and or entity doing business with or having knowledge or information regarding this trust. Once signed, the person cannot be forced to give any information about this trust to anyone. And that includes judges. That includes attorneys. You just It's a contract relationship protected by the Constitution of the United States as a federal document. And uh, I even had a fellow in Canada. He's a... Uh, an accountant or a CPA, one or the other, saying, what variant does this have with the U.S. Constitution? Well, it just goes to show the lack of knowledge of a lot of people. And, and the people in the U.S. have said the same thing. You know, how can you put this and link it to the Constitution? Well, they just don't have the knowledge that you've got now, and you're getting more knowledge in that area all the time. So um, this is the oath of confidentiality. Guys, take the time to read it. Know what your document says. What is you know, on a Saturday, if it's snowing real bad out or something, pull your documents out. Turn that football or basketball or hockey or or curling game off and read the uh, the oath of um, the um, oath of confidentiality. I don't know why I could never remember that. And it's got some very interesting points in it. Very easy to read. Very easy to understand. We then have the administrative agreement. This is the agreement. If you're going to do anything with the trust or anybody is, you have them fill out one of these. If they're going to do the books, this is the administrative agreement with them. If they're going to cut the grass on the properties of the uh, that are owned or the equities owned by the trust, um, this is the agreement they sign and they put their names in it. And uh, it's very it's very straightforward and, and very uh, um, easy to understand. So, but it's the agreement. With anybody that's going to do any work for the trust, they do this. Business or banking services, performance services, this tells you just about everything. Termination of the agreement, payment for services, right to inspect, changing the board, trustees, expense reimbursement. This is something that should be important. And we've got to update that. But um, these, are, these are the things that are in there. 
and the, all the parties to this agreement will sign this agreement. Okay? And then we have, next we have intellectual property. This is just saying that everybody understands what's going on. If there's any addendums, everybody will, uh, once the addendums are agreed to, they become part of this contractual agreement. The abstract is very simple. The abstract is, it, it mirrors the um, contract, the trust, basically the trust and uh, trust indenture in the contract. Okay, it excludes names, dates, and other pertinent information. Should someone, an attorney, accountant, banker, anybody like that, request information about the trust, you can make a copy of the abstract and give it to them. Okay, that gives them a basic idea of what the trust is and what it does. The trust certificate. This is the last part of the. Um, this is the last part of the program. The trust certificate. The trust certificate is your beneficial interest in the trust. And I want to take a few minutes and go over this in a little bit detail. I'm going to read through it, and I'm going to make comments about any parts of it that, that I feel you may need a little, bit clear, a little bit of clarification. This certifies that contract and trust in this contract, that the contract and trust indenture dated created the above-named contract trust, which does hereby own the trust corpus. The corpus are the assets. Uh, relative thereto, and is managed by the Board of Trustees, a total of 100 trusts, 100 equal units, evidenced by this trust certificate, are hereby authorized to be issued. This is, again, for a single. If it was a husband and wife, there would be two trust certificates, certificate number one, or 001 and certificate 002. Now, therefore, be it known that the contractor is the recorded owner of 100 trust units as represented by this trust certificate. This trust certificate conveys, here it is, conveys no ownership of or interest in any of the assets owned by this contract trust, nor control or selection of the trustees. Very, very powerful. This is what sets it really aside from the statutory, the Wimpy statutory trust. The contingent beneficial rights hereby evidence consists solely of a prorated share of the income or surplus as may be distributed occasionally to the certificate holders in accordance with the distribution option set forth in the indenture. So in other words, the trustees have total authority to disperse, um, to disperse funds <clears throat> according to the trust indenture anytime they want to. Um, Let's see, what were they? the contingent beneficial rights, solely private and share of the income and surplus, blah, blah, blah. Notice is hereby given that the trustees are not personally liable when so acting for any claim or obligation resulting therefrom. And guys, that's backed up by case law all over the place. No rights or interests not stated in the indenture are conferred hereby. In other words, um, you don't have any rights if it's not mentioned in a trust indenture or minute orders as you've had your trust longer and longer and you make changes through minute orders, etc. Um, obligation resulting therefrom, no rights or interests not stated in the indenture are conferred hereby, nor shall this certificate or the underlying trust units ever be subject to judicial levy, seizure, nor any transfer by distribution in advance. Change of address of the holder must be reported to the Board of Trustees. 
The certificate is the personal property. Again, certificates are personal property of the above registered owner and accepted as such without reservation of any possible community property status. In other words, your certificates are yours. Your spouse's certificates belong to your spouse. No community property. Nor shall any claim of the same ever be recognized. And see, you know about this. So when you sign these documents, you're agreeing to this. And then because you've agreed to it, no court in the land can say, well, you didn't agree to that. Moreover, upon the death or dissolution of the holder thereof, this certificate and all rights hereunder shall be absolutely null and void. However, all or any part of the units hereby represented are transferable before the death or dissolution of the holder, but only in accordance with the provisions of the indenture on file in the office of the trust. In witness whereof, you have this uh, signature, or you have this certificate signed by both you and the creator. This is the only place where you will sign your name and you have nothing behind it. You don't, it's, whereas in the other, other place else in the trust, you're signing your name, comma, contractor, your name, comma, trustee, your name, comma, manager, your name, comma, administrator. Here, it's your name. No comma. Okay? There's a couple other items. That's the end of the of the trust uh, itself. There's a couple other items that are in the, on, again, on the CD um, that I want you to be aware of. A very important item is assignment of income. Here's the instructions. Each contractor must complete an assignment of income individual filing form it's on the CD for Trust One for each current and future income source. So, in other words, you want to put it, if you're still working, you want to have an assignment of income page for your current employer. You want to, and and you don't have to turn these in. You you get them signed and notarized as as quickly as possible because the dates are so important when you're talking contract law. I think. Uh, if you do something, you get something, you have a problem, and all of a sudden you try to do all this stuff, they're going to say, no, that's after the problem. We're in priority position. Then you have to end up in court proving that you're the date of your trust and blah, 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 but you'll end up in court. When you have an assignment of income uh, such as this, you, and it's got date sometime prior to any incident, uh, garnishment or anything else, then you're you're in the front of the line, Okay. There's the instructions for the assignment of income. Very clear, very easy to understand. And, um, for example, um, where it has number one on the line, uh, look to number one up at the top there where it says, put in your name as the person whose income is being assigned. So I, Michael Clark, do hereby assign, and here's where I told you, you put the, um, you put the, um, percentage of the income you want on that page. Okay? Okay. Um, you put, the, uh, you put the, the percentage of the income on that page. Okay, and then you just follow it down. Number two, there's what you put on number two, number three, number four, and right below on the assignment of income, and that's, this is all on the uh, CD, and it's about page 24, 5, 6, 7, 8, somewhere right in there, you'll find it, is the assignment of income, and this is the actual blank um, form you'll fill out, fill in everything. Um, also, it's very important that you invalidate all previous wills and trusts. This is right out of Quicken Law. Um, 
we've got a portion uh, that uh, we've, we've taken, and we've got to scroll down below that. That gives you an idea of what everything is, why why you need to do it. But here's the actual um, source. It says declaration and notice, declaration of notice and intent. This affidavit, and it's very simple. This affidavit is the declaration of my, the undersigned party, instructions as set forth after careful thought and is in accordance with my clear wishes. Notice, I, Michael Clark, born in city, county, and state, do hereby confirm that my, that any and all wills, trusts, and other written promises in any form dated prior to this declaration of notice and intent signed and executed by myself for any reason whatsoever are not to be considered as valid. So in other words, nobody can bring up a, a, a will later that, and say that uh, they can and try and contest your trust. just won't work if you've got this signed. And if it's a husband and wife, you both need to sign your own, your own page, okay? And um, lastly, we've got a minute order in the CD, a special minute order colon, removal of trust services as trustee. Nobody's ever done this. Well, I take it back. One person did do this a long time ago. If you don't want us to help you to be there, if we're not a trustee, we can't represent you and send off letters if you do get in a, in a pickle somewhere along the line. Um, but if you want to get rid of us, it's your option. This is your program. We, don't, we never know any of the assets you transfer. It's all private between you or you and your spouse. And um, uh, but this here form does, you just send this to us and we will acknowledge it and we are out of there. We won't, um, we won't bother you anymore. We won't even send you any notices for our Monday night calls anymore. Okay? So you can still come and listen, though, but we're just not going to represent you if you get in a pickle, you get in trouble. My friends, that's tonight's call. I hope it was meaningful to you. I will gladly accept your your criticism or your um, applause. The, um, if you have any questions, though, as I mentioned earlier, I've got a commitment tonight now, and uh, I will I will be happy to answer those questions. But email them. Don't leave me on a uh, don't leave a voicemail for me. Uh, it's much better. I can just transfer, copy, and paste your questions right to my uh, call questions for next Monday's call, and I will I can assure you. There's going to be many of you that have some of the same questions, and um, we will get them all answered. And if you have, if it still doesn't um, answer your question or you don't really comprehend, um, and I've done I've done that with several things when I was researching all about this trust. I would I would read things about a certain phase of the trust, a certain component of the trust. I'd read it 50 times, and then all of a sudden I'd read it in a different context from a different source, and it all made sense. So don't be uh, don't be embarrassed or anything if you don't if I give an answer and it still doesn't make it clear in your head I'll keep answering it until you say and we just had somebody do that a week or two ago they they um, said something on the on the call I think when they when I answered they were on the phone and they said Mike the way you answered that thing last week it clicked and I it made it all clear to me so don't be ashamed don't be embarrassed or, or we're all like this we're all the same way so I'm, I'm Maybe 100 people can get something, and to me it doesn't make sense. But all those other 100 people have made sense. So with that, God bless each one of you for taking the time. This will always be on the recorded part of our talk, uh, talk show recordings. 
So anytime you can go in and listen to it again, fast forward or backwards or whatever you want to the point that makes sense. But when you're going through it, go through it with your teaching trust so you can see what I'm talking about and read the teaching trust on your own. Don't just get, take my brief explanation. Read that paragraph. Read that minute order. Read whatever it is so that you develop a thorough understanding because life is changing. It's, it's not going to be the same tomorrow as it was today. And uh, maybe just very minute changes, but it's not going to be the same. And, and you now have a document, the most powerful document in the world, and share it with your friends by all means. Share it with your friends. They need the protection just as much as you do. With that... God bless, good night, and have a wonderful week and weekend ahead, and we'll see you all on Monday night, the 16th of February, and on the Monday night call. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.